Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for This Week in Photography is brought to you by Cashfly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This episode is also brought to you by Squarespace.com, the fast and easy way to publish a high-quality website or blog. For a free trial, go to Squarespace.com forward slash TWIP. This episode is also brought to you by FreshBooks, the easy online invoicing service that gets you paid quickly and makes you look professional. Get started with a free package at FreshBooks.com. This week on TWIP, photographers in Egypt put their lives on the line to get the shot. Canon releases new lenses, camera bodies, and flashes. And the Google Art Project brings street view photographs to art museums. It's Saturday, February 12th, 2011, and this is TWIP. Welcome back to another episode of This Week in Photo, your weekly source of photographic inspiration. I'm your host, Frederick Van Johnson, and joining me today on the show are Mr. Andy Biggs and Mr. Derek Story. Hello, gentlemen. Hello. Hello. Hello, Frederick. Hey, uh, this is, this is, I uh, gotta tell you guys, I'm a little intimidated. This is uh, a lot of horsepower on this show. <laughs> I don't know if I can handle this much horsepower. So. Uh, a lot of horse something, anyway, right? <laughs> I, will, I will try to keep it straight, just keep the steering wheel straight, and we'll make sure we get to the destination. All righty. So, Andy Biggs, you haven't been on in quite a while. Um, so, why don't we start with just where have you been? Well, first of all, let's start with. For the folks that don't know who you are, um, they will be blown away when they find out who you are. But uh, why don't you give us a quick, a quick rundown of what, who you are and what you've been up to. Yeah, so um, I'm an African wildlife photographer, lead workshops over there as well as other places around the world. And I uh, started a camera backpack company. So I also manufacture camera bags. Yes. So I'm busy. I'm busy. What's, I've been what's the name of that bag? What is the name of that bag? Because I have it. Yeah, it's the Gura Gear, G-U-R-A, Gear, Kiboko bag. Yes, yeah, and it is awesome. Yeah, yeah just not to make this a commercial, but you, you basically designed that bag based on your adventures in Africa and what you needed in terms of uh, weight or lack thereof and uh, being able to withstand the elements and all that good stuff, right? Yeah, I just got tired of all the heavy bags on the market. I, yeah. I, I did something about it. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. All right, we're, we're going to have to do a show at some point on bags and have both you and Derek on because Derek is a low pro guy. Um, so I want to do a head-to-head bag versus bag with you guys. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on it. <laughs> there we go. Cool. And uh, Derek Story, of course, who's a TWIP regular, is is joining us. Hey, Derek. Hey, Frederick. What have you been up to? I know you've been uh, knocking those workshops out left and right, but uh, what what else? I've been doing uh, workshops. I got another one coming up in March, a photography workshop up here in Northern California that I'm all excited about. But uh, I just got back from working on Flickr for a week. I did a Linda title on Flickr. We refreshed Flickr, actually. Oh. And so that was a fun week because it was a whole week just totally immersed in every little nuance of Flickr. And, you know, there is... So much good stuff in there. So yeah. that, that, that was a riot. You know, I love Flickr. And uh, the, the one thing I don't like about Flickr, maybe you can help with this, is like you said, there's so much power below the surface. It's almost like an iceberg. You know, there's all this power that only you see 
20% if you're lucky, 10% of it. But there's a lot of stuff going on underneath the cover. So does your uh, does your title go like into every nook and cranny, or is it like a beginner's thing? Uh, well, it, it, it starts out at the beginning, but it, it takes you through uh, pretty well. So, I mean, it's, it's going to be like four hours of, of finished video. So uh, I think you'll get I think you'll get into that stuff you want to get into. But you know, the the thing about it is, it's, it's like so many other uh, software apps. Once you, you get a little momentum, then you start guessing right, and yeah. and I think I think that's the thing with Flickr too. Yeah, but four hours. There's see, that's the scary thing. There's four hours of stuff to talk about on Flickr. That is well, amazing. I, I, well, I, I ramble a lot, so I, <laughs> it's probably really only an hour time. And you repeat yourself over yeah. and over. <laughs> Did I cover that? Yeah. Let's do that one more time, just in yeah. case we didn't hit that. All right, guys, before we uh, jump into the news for the week, I want to give a nod to our sponsor, Squarespace. This Week in Photo is brought to you by Squarespace.com. They're the fast and easy way to publish a high-quality website or blog. You can create a site that's uniquely you, display your photos, of course, import them from Flickr, um, or a blog that you've been uh, thinking about starting. You You can import RSS feeds including Twitter feeds, other blogs, whatever you want, as long as you have permission. You can pull that stuff into your site. You can choose the design, the colors, whatever you want, and then hit publish, and it's live to the world. The cool thing is it's all hosted in the cloud, which means you don't have to worry about servers or learning software or any of this stuff. You just need a web browser, and you can access it. And uh, there's, you know, we we talk about this on the show quite a bit in terms of folks that are using it. Um, and one of the one of the guys that uses it is a Twip regular, Joseph Lanashki, of course, who runs his site um, ApertureExpert.com exclusively on Squarespace, and that has a membership component that's all driven through the Squarespace backend. He loves it. He's traveling around all the time and managing his site using his iPhone app, which is crazy or using the squarespace iphone app which is you know or his ipad or whatever so you know basically if you are if you're that person that wants to start a website but you don't want to hire an it team to help you keep it going and get it going check them out and if you want to do that you can try it out for free just go over to squarespace.com sign up for their free trial then choose a design template whatever you want no credit card needed just try it out build it and uh you know and go from there it's at squarespace.com forward slash twip to get that offer or get that free trial. It's squarespace.com forward slash TWIP. All right, guys, it is time to get into the news. What is the number one story that's been going on all week? Derek? Egypt. Egypt. Egypt, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's the story of the, it might be the story of the decade, right? Right? Yeah. It's, uh, I you mean, know, I've been, I've been, me and the rest of the world have been watching with uh, with great interest to see how that stuff unfolds, and it was just, it's almost like a story. I'm waiting on the the made for television story of how oh this, my gosh. you know, how the uh, how the tensions rose up and how the people. It's just amazing. So it is amazing, Andy. You you are a world traveler, of course, um, <laughs> and you travel to Africa from time to time, as I'm told. Um, so what's your what's your take on this on the overall thing? And then we'll get into how this affects photographers after that. I think it's pretty exciting. I mean, you know, as a as a I think someone who's covering the uh the events that happened over what 19 days, I think it was. Yeah. Um, you know, that's a lot of content and a, and a good opportunity to launch, you know, somebody's career because for a long time a lot of these uh conflict or, you know, editorial photographers, uh, you know, a small number of them have really made all the headlines. And this was I think an opportunity for a lot of uh 
a lot of younger photographers to maybe jump in and that are probably Egyptian. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was a uh, it was interesting. One of the one of the stories that caught my eye and I'm sure lots of people was the Anderson Cooper thing. You remember that where Yeah. he the he's doing his job out there and the mob turned on CNN and beat him up. And you know, which which begs the question, photographers out there, generally speaking, um, or photographers that are in events, you know, because you have a camera and because you're documenting and you're know, speaking about photojournalists, of course, but because you're documenting and being the eyes to the rest of the world, there's a, there's a certain degree of you are sort of disconnected from the situation and immune from what's going on there because, hey, I'm just covering this for you guys and I'm going to share it with the rest of the world. So you kind of really want me here. So, you know, I'm not involved. I'm not on either side. Um, but the mob didn't really take it that way. You know, there's, there's been several stories of photographers being beaten and having their gear stolen or destroyed while trying to cover this protest. So, Derek, what, how do, what's, what do you do? I mean, if you're, if you're a photojournalist and you want to go cover something like riots in Egypt or whatever, how do you do that and make sure that you can get the story while keeping yourself safe? Well, I mean, I think experience is a big deal in this sort of thing because, you know, when you're a photographer, you're just not a guy taking pictures. You're someone that, you know, is a psychologist. You're someone that's a sociologist. I mean, you're someone that really has to to have your finger on the pulse of what's going on. And you have to have, uh, in this kind of role, you have to have incredible street sense, too. And I, I think it's not... I mean, if you live there, uh, like Andy was saying, I think it was a great opportunity for a lot of the Egyptian photographers because it was on their home turf. It was their cause. And, you know, I think that's different, uh, having, you know, being Egyptian and being there, being a photographer, than coming over from the U.S. and looking like Anderson Cooper mm-hmm. and, and, and being there. And I think if you're coming over from the U.S. and look like Anderson Cooper, you have to, to really, uh, you know, do your homework. And, we know that they, they do. They're CNN, right? I mean, right. they're experienced at this. And things, things can still happen. It's a risky job. Um, but, you know, it's also a, a job that can have great reward, not only uh, for you if, you if you get uh, great shots, but you can actually help propel a cause that you believe in, if you so believe in it, uh, uh, through the work that you do. And, I mean, that, there's a long line of that uh, a long tradition of that in photojournalism of photographers, you know, expressing their point of view and, and having an impact. Yeah. And Andy, yeah. Andy, what, where do you fall on that? I mean, when you're, when you're out and about, I know you, your tours are generally safe, but if you find you're an area where it's not safe, you know, how do you, what, what's your instruction to the people that are with you on how to protect themselves and protect their gear and all that good stuff? Well, I mean, it, it, like you just mentioned it a second ago. You know, I don't really go to areas that are that are unsafe, and I, that's just from a business standpoint, the smart decision to make. Yeah. But you know, I think you have to to not stand out. Um, uh, you know, whether it's danger from a personal um, safety standpoint or danger from losing camera equipment, you, know, you just just blend in and not stand out. You know, um, I was I was thinking about this a, a few a few seconds ago. Which was, if anybody wonders what a, a conflict photographer goes through, one should watch James Noctway's War Photographer. Rent it on Netflix or however you get it. It's one of the most moving documentaries I've ever seen. And it just happens to be about photography. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, highly recommended. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I did a I did a blog post. Jeez, I think it was uh, maybe two years ago, a year ago, and the title of it was on FrederickVan.com, and the title is "Fight or Light." And I was just basically exploring the idea of where do photographers draw the line when it comes to not not specifically their safety, but in the in the case of that blog post, it was. Um, I think I drew the example of there's a prominent politician that, you know, a car speeds up in front of the emergency room and drops off this battered body in front and there's no one there to help this person um, and you recognize the politician. Do you take photos of this because you know this is going to be newsworthy or do you help the person first and then take photos? I don't know. Derek, where, what would you do? Uh, that you know, that's the proverbial, you know, same thing. There's eight spots on a lifeboat, and there's nine people. Yes, you know? <laughs> I, I, I there's a hate, there's a flare gun, so I, you can take I, one of them. <laughs> yeah, I used to hate those in in college. Uh, you know, I I have to tell you, since I don't make my 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 living off of photojournalism per se, I'm, I'm going to go help the guy. And, yeah. You know, I have to tell you, just because it it, it means more it, at the end of the day, it means more to me to help the guy than it does to get the shot. Yeah, yeah, and that's what it boils down to. Andy, what about you? I mean, there's no there's no right answer, but you know, it I guess, and it det- it depends on the kind of photographer you are in terms of, hey, are you professional? Or are you paparazzi or whatever? A paparazzi would probably say, oh, get the shot, of course. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you yeah. know, well, there's a check right there. You know. Well, they don't get paid unless they have a photograph to, for worth publishing. No, I, I'm going to fall with Derek on this one. You, you help out, and you, you, you become human. Um, that's just the way it is. Yeah, there was, there was dozens and dozens of comments on that blog post, and I'll, I'll link to it from, this, uh, from the show notes for this episode. But uh, the majority of the people said that they would help, you know, which was made me feel a little good, you know, <laughs> people, people helping people. But there was a contingent there that said, hey, you are a photographer, and if you have a camera and there's something that the world needs to know about unfolding in front of you, it's your duty to photograph that moment and then help. So I'd be interested to know in the comments on this show or on this blog post what folks think. All right, guys, on to a lighter topic. Story, no- story number two. Now that I got you all down and, you know, <laughs> let's, talk, <laughs> let's talk about Canon. So Canon has released some new cameras, lenses, and all kinds of good stuff. Derek, you, you love Canon cameras, and you have a cadre of them sitting probably around you right now. What, do you, what did Canon release, and what, do you, what are you buying? Canon is one of my favorite brands. not the only brand I like, but certainly one that I do like. Uh, mm-hmm. So they did all sorts of interesting stuff at um, different levels. So at the, at the consumer level, they released a T3i, which is the new Rebel. And uh, you look at this look at the specs on this thing and you go this is an entry level camera because it's it's really really has a lot going on but i think the big deal that they did on this one is they they added the articulated screen that we saw introduced with the 60d so you have a swing out screen now uh for the t3i and uh it is uh along with the 60d and some of the other bodies it is a movie making machine in addition to uh being uh, a, a good camera and they they beefed it up a little bit in terms of a uh, build some people 
you know, don't like the way the rebels feel in their hands. Uh, so uh, they they beefed it up a little bit too. So that's on the consumer end. And then when you when you say beefed it up, did did they make it heavy? Is it made out of titanium? No, now, no, or? no. They didn't do anything like that. It's just a little bit more rigid. Got it. Just okay. a little bit. Yeah, yeah. The no, you, you have to you have to move up the line a bit to get to get all that good metal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then, uh, you know, in, in Andy's world here, and Andy probably want to comment on this, but uh, wow, the new 200 to 400 millimeter zoom uh, wow. it, with the built-in, you know, uh, tele-extender. Andy, I mean, you got to be looking at that lens, I'm sure. Yeah, well, you know, I switched over to Nikon two years ago primarily just so I could have the Nikon 200 to 400. Uh-huh. And um, <clears throat> as much as I love Nikon, I think I'm still a Canon guy at heart. And um, and this makes me really happy because you know I, I, I have to I have I have to know both systems for my own customer base. Sure. And uh, and then now there's a little bit of parity <laughs> going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think it's it's a superb deal. But you know, we've mentioned the 600D. We've mentioned the 200 to 400. How about those new speed lights? The 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 320 with the video light built in. Well, I, I was saving that because that's the part. That's, that's the thing I was in that. <laughs> I'm jazzed about these things. That's cool. No, it's it's really cool. And and the, the the three okay, so just so everyone knows what we're talking about here. There were two new flashes also. The two seventy EX two, it's a second generation of the of the little flash that only takes two double A's. And then there's a new flash, the 320 EX. Now, the one that uh, Andy's talking about is the 320. And it has a built-in slave and it has a built-in video light, which is just really handy to, to have all this in one flash. But I'm, I have to tell you, I'm also jazzed about 270 EX because it's just a little, I mean, this is just a little flash and it's got a lot of power. It has uh, the head swivels so you can bounce flash in the horizontal position, and it has the built-in slave too. So what this means is you can carry just a little flash that, that easily fits in your pocket or anywhere in your camera bag. Only takes two AAs. And if you're shooting with a 60D or a 7D or now the T3i that has uh, the built-in wireless flash control, you can do off-camera flash technique with Basically, just your body and, you know, one of these little flashes that you always have with you, and even in your just normal bounce around day pack. And I think this is just hot. I think we're going to see uh, hopefully a, a lot more interesting flash technique, you know, from people that now this is really easy to do. And the 270EX is going to list for like 169 bucks. Oh, that's so, a deal. Wow. I mean, you know, just to have with you. I mean, my gosh. So that is crazy. So I, I, I'm really jazzed about it. it comes out in um, March, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna be testing it right away. So is this the next? Is this the next thing? I mean, are we built-in video lights and converge or, or continuing the convergence of the video sort of world into DSLRs? Next step looks like it's video, like, like it's lighting. Well, right? well, well this... lighting, and I mean, what a great direction to go. I mean, for you know those of us that, that are you know photographers by trade, to to see okay, well now we have the the manufacturer really paying attention how to make our lighting lives easier. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's fabulous. I mean, I think that's great, and, and hopefully it's going to inspire folks to to pay more attention to to lighting. 
And how does this affect you, Andy? Are you do you do you care about video when you're when you're running around doing your safaris and all that magic, or is it just still? You know, it's, I am more and more. Um, like uh, this next, I'm, I'm taking. Well, I leave next Sunday, and my assistant's bringing his 5D Mark II 7D. Uh, we're bringing a whole Red Rock Micro setup, and we're also bringing a uh, a slider. I'm doing kind of high production value. You know, what's it like to go on safari kind of video? I'm not really oh, great. kind of doing wildlife video because that uh, I think we all know what what that's like. But most people ask mm-hmm. questions like, you know, what are the accommodations like? What do we? Yeah, do where do I sleep? What do I eat? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so video <laughs> matters to me. And here's the interesting thing: I, I read that 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 new. The um, the new 320EX flash, if combined with a T3i, will automatically turn on and off the video light depending on the ambient light situation. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. That's really yeah. cool. That is really cool. And and the other thing that they do is that they they're also remotes. So let's say that you got your camera set up on a tripod, right? You're you're fooling around with the off camera light, uh, the 320EX or the 270. You can then trigger the camera while you're standing at the flash. Oh, you can trigger. Oh, it's like a like a pocket wizard. So exactly. you can go back and forth. You can go oh, back and cool. forth. Wow! Yeah. Look at that. See, that's where things are going. See, it's you got to. For me, I'm like, oh, I want to try this. Right. Must resist. <laughs> <laughs> must must resist. Like all these things I'm resisting is like, oh, I want to buy a MacBook Air. Must resist. You know, <laughs> all this gear is just coming at me. No, no, no. You know, don't, don't, eyeball don't, in my paycheck. Don't don't resist on the <laughs> MacBook Air. That, yeah. Go buy that thing. It is. It is such a hot computer. You know this, Are you still you still in love with it? Oh man, I'm more in love with it. You know what's sobering wow. though is that I bought a MacBook Pro 13 inch, the prior generation. So that's you know what a year and a half old, something like that. The new MacBook Air is just as fast as my MacBook Pro. I know. That's crazy. Uh, that the read write on the on the. Uh, you know the the quote unquote hard drive, which is solid state. That's the killer. And and when you do stuff like I do with with aperture and so forth, mm-hmm. woo wee! It is it is fun times. Really, yeah, really? It, no, it is good. Stop it, I, Derek! Stop it! <laughs> I, I, I know it, I, I know what you're doing. You're not going to get me. I can't even use another computer now. <laughs> you're not a nice man. That's all. <laughs> No, yeah, I'm, I've been. I have got uh, gear lust over that thing. It's uh, it's beautiful. All right, um, story number three. This is really interesting. I wanted to dive into this a little bit. Everyone, or probably most of everyone, is familiar with Google Street View, where you can load a Google Map and then click on a button and kind of be transported to where that where those coordinates are and kind of look around you in 360 degrees and get a get your bearings about where you're going to be going when you follow that map. Well, Google Art, they've got a, a thing called Google Art Project. They bring street view technology to art museums. Um, now, this is interesting, and I'm glad, Andy, you're on the show because I wanted to talk to you <laughs> about about this kind of thing. I mean, not not necessarily the museum because that's that's really interesting. Yeah, you can walk around and kind of see what's going on in there, but like the stuff that you do, I'm really interested in 
being transported there. I think video is a first step. And then next step, why not do something more, I don't know, QuickTime VR-ish when you're out in the wild there, high resolution, that kind of thing. Have you have you seen this story and what do you think about it? And are you going in that direction with your safari? Boy, I'm, you know, I'm still trying to wrap my head around the impacts of this because, uh, you know – Photography inside of museums has been a no-no for many years. So all, yeah. so all of a sudden, they're bringing all this information out. And let me tell you, you can zoom in and see every little crack of paint on some of these paintings. And that's pretty cool. Um, I think it's really neat. I think you, you, there's still that uh, emotional response that you don't get by being there. You know. Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't, I'm, I'm just still trying to understand what the impact will be. Or could be if I adopted something like this. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. What about you, Derek? Are you uh, are you going to jump into this realm of of photography? And what do you think about taking photos in museums? I, I'm pretty excited about the whole thing. Um, I you know I I think I'm in favor of of getting people exposed to some of the great art that's in museums that they don't maybe get to see otherwise. And you know, so to to me, this is interesting. When um, I, I don't know, I, but I, I'm like Andy. I, I, I still I, I have to watch it unfold because I, I'm not sure uh, yet how this is all going to work out. But, yeah. but I I'm enthused about it. I'm enthused about it. It just seems like it seems like I mean they're going down the route of they say it's like you know it's Street View, which is essentially what QuickTime VR was mm-hmm. many years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but QuickTime VR never really took off, though. You know, it, it, in my opinion, it, right. just, it just it was it was interesting, and you loaded this thing, and you could pan around, or they did the reverse QuickTime VRs, where you could, or they call it Object VR, where you could spin around an object like a car and look at it from all angles. Um, but it just seemed like a novelty, and I don't, you know, it, and it seems like a lot of stuff to go through to get an image. Well, this, where, is, this is what could change it, though, Frederick, because it was just a car, it was just a, a pasture or, or whatever. Now, if, if it's a famous piece of art, I mean, each museum's, I think, going to what take one piece of art that they're going to, you know, enter into this uh, and make it available. So, but now, if if it's a Rembrandt or something, then you know, maybe maybe that's the game changer. Yeah, you know yeah. where. Yeah, because they said you can zoom in and actually see yeah. tiny details and brush strokes, and you know, yeah. it's, it's crazy. Yeah, you know, using Gigapixel, you know, where they take multiple photographs and stitch them together. Yeah, that I mean, that could be a lot more interesting than just a car, you know. So, uh, yeah, it remains to be seen. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting stuff. So, Andy, um, after this trip, you know, I was going to say back to what you were talking about before about. Uh, your assistant coming on this trip and doing sort of a documentary of the trip itself. I've been wanting to see that forever, so I'm glad you're doing that. I want to. <laughs> well, I'm a, I want to see what goes on over there. Well, you know, I'm, a, I'm kind of a marketer at heart, <laughs> so so I have yes. to be able to explain, you know, what goes on, and uh, everybody knows that you're going to see, you know, the all these certain types of animals, you know, elephants and rhinos, all, all these, you know. But it's really more about the other the, – the gaps of information. You know, I get people asking me all the time, you know, what are the accommodations like? What's the food like? You know, are, uh-huh. are there bugs? <laughs> you yeah. know? And, and, and are the bugs the food, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Yeah, I can't wait to see that. That's going to be good. All right, uh, guys, before we move on, um, actually, there's one more story I wanted to, hear, talk, I wanted to talk about real quick. It's story number five, and this is about – and we've gone down this road before. I think it was last year. We were 
we were kind of stirring the pot around the controversy of retouchers going too far, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And I think uh, this uh, Victoria's Secret retoucher went a little bit too far, or maybe not far enough, depending on how you look at the story. But this guy or this person who retouched this this model forgot to put her arm back in. <laughs> <And then> <laughs> <laughs> published then published the photo you know so i mean aside from just the and i'm gonna say it, incompetency of not finishing the job and having it go through whatever qa qc processes they have um you know just bringing it back to retouching overall you know and and these types of pushing photos too far you know i wanted to talk to you guys specifically about this Derek, because you your your photographic expertise spans the range of mm-hmm. you know from weddings to portraits to landscapes to models to everything so where do you draw the line on retouching some people say if you can tell that a retoucher has been there you've failed you know is that where you fall or how, how do you well draw the line? Uh, personally here's right where i go is when i when i use it for portraiture my goal is to make the person look like that person on a good day but I, I want it mm. to look like that person. I don't. I don't want it. Want him or her to to look like someone that he or she isn't. So I'm I'm trying to bring out the best in the person. Now that is a big, big slippery slope <laughs> because <laughs> because you know yeah. What does that mean? Bring out the best? Yeah, you know? I mean like, exactly because you know my view of that I think is fairly conservative as to what I do. I mean I I will do a little uh, a little skin softening. I will remove some blemishes. Uh, I if there's a hair stray hair across the eye, you know if if this is the best shot, I'll take the take that hair out so I'll, yeah. I'll do things like that but i don't i don't go into photoshop and start using the liquify tool to you know to change the shape <laughs> of the person and or to change the bus line or you know to, nice. to make the hips and you know all that kind of stuff i i do not do that that stuff at all. so that's where i draw the line but you know when you say something as as vague as i just said which is you know make the person look like that person on a good day <laughs> yeah. I mean, and you knew i was going to call you on that that's why you said it <laughs> well i mean you know you know the next i could take that and go well yeah let's add three inches here you know so, uh-huh. you know or whatever so uh i think it's really a personal thing i think though that being said at some point we we have to stop getting you know so uptight about uh, this in the digital age because uh i mean when a guy totally blows it then you know he totally blew it but uh digital touch-up is happening on everything and uh, i think at some point we just have to acknowledge that that's part of the the workflow for a lot of publications yeah yeah absolutely andy where, where do you fall on this is there a, is there a line or is the customer the line in fact in, in terms of you just make them look as good as you can possibly look and if that means taking love handles off and taking acne off then so be it i guess this is where the capitalist <laughs> kind of brain of mind ends which is like if there's enough uproar in the community it'll stop happening okay and for example, you go to the grocery store and you see all these magazines. I know that every single one of those is atrociously touched up. I just know. I, yeah. To me, it's it's just the production of what happens. I think it's fairly funny and, and tragic at the same time that you know this this person forgot to add back in this this woman's arm, right? Yeah. Um, and and by the way, as a side topic, I visit very often Photoshop disasters blog. 
It's yeah. it's psdisasters.com. It's absolutely awesome, and it and it's just hysterical on some of the some of the things that some of these uh, guys in the, a studio forget to do. It's really tragic. But back on topic, the um, you know, I remember back in the eighties there were there was an article about a, a nature photographer and how he was inserting more species into a scene than was really there. And that at least brought the topic up where people were, were talking about it and uh, made aware of it. And uh, some publications have drawn a very clear line. For example, the LA Times. That happened a couple of years ago during the um, – I think Iran was was firing off some, some large missiles – and right. they added yeah, a couple more that. in there, you know, yep. and basically said, okay, from here on out, we're not going to allow any remastering or, you know, significant enhancement of, of digital images. And, you know, I think it depends on the purpose. For things like magazines of color covers, personally, I don't care. I just don't care yeah. at all. Uh, I think it's just a – it's just a – it's just the world we live in. I think when it starts coming into things like where you're presenting something as it was and it wasn't that way, then that's that's where the slippery slope starts to hurt a little bit. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And it, it, it we could we could talk forever on this because it goes down the road of, I mean, even ethics. Like, okay, photographers and retouchers are changing the perception of what women should look like because they're making everybody look skinny, you know, that kind of thing. Or... Hey, it's just art. You know, I'm an artist and I'm the that that particular image and the the pixels that are associated with it are my canvas and I can do whatever I want to do with them. You know, so yeah, and and there's a fine there's I don't even think there's a fine line in there. I think it's blurred in terms of if you're creating a magazine cover for L um and you're retouching the model on there, can you consider that cover art or do you consider that cover um, as it's supposed to be an accurate representation of the model that is there. No, well, it's a sales I, I, tool. <laughs> it's a sales yeah, tool. It is, it, and do it we want to see reality? I don't know that I want to see that model unretouched. You know? <laughs> I think the retouchers are doing us a favor by you know making things more attractive on the newsstands than they really are in real life. I think that's part of the that's that's part of the deal that's associated with that industry. You know, it's a fairy tale. We want to see things that as they could be, not as not as they should or as they are. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, photography's always been vulnerable to this discussion, and you know, I, I think Andy brought up a good point. It depends on the type of photography, but uh, for instance, how is digital retouching when you're doing news reporting different than actually setting up a shot? And, and not, you know, letting people know that that shot was set up, you know, and reporting it as news. You know, so th- this sort of, of, of playing with the, with the truth uh, has been going on for a long time. And, and, I, and I think it is an ethics question. And I, and I think, you know, photographers have to decide what they're, what they're comfortable with. But I, as a viewer, what I like is disclosure. If I just know what's going on, then, I'll, then I can decide. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. You know what? And there, I think if if memory serves, there was this, there was legislation or some kind of movement that retouchers or these magazines would have to label somehow these images as being retouched. You know, kind of like a parental advisory warning. Well, or, 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 or like warning these these uh, things that you're looking at may not be real. You know. Well, we have we know. have cheese flavored spread. So I mean, it seems like we could have you know digitally. <laughs> Digitally retouched photos or something like that, you know. Derek, I think you named this episode. Yeah. Thank you very yeah. much. 
He went there, didn't he? Yeah. He did. <laughs> oh, man, that's awesome. All right, guys, before we continue into the listener questions, I um, want to give another ad to one of our sponsors. This show is also brought to you by FreshBooks. Um, they're at freshbooks.com. And if you're a small business owner, consultant, freelancer, or anyone that doesn't typically or particularly enjoy invoicing, FreshBooks is an in-the-cloud sort of um, invoicing service that lets you quickly and easily create professional-looking invoices. You can upload your company logo so that your invoices look pro. You can download a PDF of the invoice and ship it off to your clients. You can receive and ask for payments directly through the QuickBooks service so and even wire it up to PayPal or other electronic payment services so that you can your clients can pay you via by via credit card. So it's like this this in the cloud banking service that handles all your back end to make you look better and get on with things that you're doing. They've even got like automated late payment reminders that go out to your clients. So as you invoice people, you can set it and forget it and it will keep bugging them so that they so that they pay you it's amazing and for this show freshbooks is doing an offer for up to three of your clients basically um folks need to set up an account and they go up to freshbooks.com to set it up and let them know that you heard about twip or you heard about this on twip and freshbooks will enter you into this contest that they're giving and they're going to give a birthday cake to one of our audience members they're going to draw a name yes i said birthday cake nice um every every day of the entire month they're going to draw a name and give away a birthday cake and it doesn't even have to be your birthday so it's just uh, i think it's pretty cool cuz you know <laughs> I want a birth. I want a birthday cake right now, and my birthday is not until the end of the month or year. So yeah, I'm just saying. You know, so head over to freshbooks.com, check it out. Um, you can try it out for free. Like I said, you can try the service out for free. Get everything configured and load up to three clients in there. It takes a minute to set it up. If you've only got three clients, you got you know a free back end system that's working for you and when you add that fourth client presumably you can afford to pay them anyway so <laughs> so go ahead and set it up and check them out again they're at freshbooks.com all right guys every week um, our producers scour the TWIP forums at thisweekinphoto.com forward slash forum, and they find the best questions for us to answer on the show. And this week's questions um, are this. So question one comes to us from Mark in Melbourne, Australia. I'm going to throw this one to you, Andy. You want to take this one away? Sure. Um, so fr- so Mark writes, uh, a friend just invited me on a photo shoot where we would be going inside a derelict brickworks building. The problem is that the area is fenced off and it has signs, trespassers prosecuted. Have any of Uh-oh. you ever trespassed to get a shot? <laughs> and do you think that I should accept the invitation or, or decline? This is – I think this is – my answer is it depends on your own sen- sensitivities and sensibilities. But one thing to think about is that um, if you go in and take these photographs, some laws in some countries will not allow you to be able to even publish them or use them. So you can be sued for for financial damages based upon you're actually publishing those photographs. Yeah, So <laughs> it's like you're kind of – you're put in even more of a corner. Um, so, you know, personally, if it says trespassers prosecuted, um, I'm pretty sensitive to that. I, I don't like to invite uh, scrutiny, so I probably wouldn't do it myself, but that's just my own 
I, no, I say keep Derek, Derek's story. You're the rabble rouser. I know you're going to say something completely opposite. <laughs> no, no, I'm just going to say I would just keep an eye out for Brutus the Bulldog. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, usually when guys put up signs that say no trespassing, they're they're usually pretty serious. And uh, up here in my neck of the woods, you do not want to go where there are no trespassing signs. You don't want to wander into someone's, you know, marijuana patch or something like that. You know, so yeah. So I. I, I tend to heed these things because I like living. Um, but, yeah. but, you know, it all comes down to how bad do you want the shot, right? I mean, I mean, do you really want the shot? Well, then maybe take more risks. But <laughs> Yeah, it's funny because we talk about that. I forget what the name of that movement is, but when folks are sort of roaming around and, and uh, checking out derelict buildings, there's a whole movement sure. on Flickr about that. Sure. Uh, just going into these abandoned buildings and taking photographs, and all of these abandoned buildings are, you know, no trespassing. Well, yeah, so, I mean, you know, they're trying to keep you from getting killed, too. I mean, it could be. Right. Things are just unstable as heck, right? So, yeah. you know, you don't want a brick falling on your head, things like that. Yeah, I read that. I read, in some cases, you can read that no <clears throat> trespassing sign as, hey, if you come in here and you break your neck, you're not suing me because I have a sign posted. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> so, I don't know. But, you know, I, I will say this if you don't really want the shot, uh, you know, then don't, don't take the risk. Yeah. Common sense. Common sense. Common sense. All right, question number two. I'm going to throw it to our Nikon shooter on the panel here. Um, Andy, this is all yours. What do you think about the dual card slot question? Yeah, so yes. somebody asking is asking, um, they've, they've moved to a D7000 and it's got dual card slots. Should, you know, what should you do with that second slot? Should, you, should it be an overflow slot or do you use it as a backup? You know, I think 10 years ago I would have given you a totally different answer. I was a hardcore film shooter, and moving to digital was um, a little bit of a leap of faith. And some of the cards early on I had problems with. I think it was more the cameras and the cards than the cards. But um, I'm very confident in my cards. I haven't had a corrupted file in probably five or six years. So I would be more likely to use the second slot as an overflow and not as a backup. What brand card are you using? I'm a SanDisk guy. Got it. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Derek, you, what are you using, SanDisk or Alexar? Uh, I use both of them. I, I, I like them both. But you know what? I don't wander too far away from either one of them. It, yeah. you know, after, if it's not red or gold, then I, then I start not feeling as comfortable. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I'm, uh, I use both as well for different, for different reasons. Like I do a lot of auto, audio recording, so I use a different card in my, my audio recorder than I do in my cameras. And, yeah, you know, well, it's sort of funny. You know, my, uh, my Canon seem to like the SanDisk a lot, but my Olympus cameras seem to like the Lexars a lot. And, you know, uh, go figure. Yeah. All right, here's another Nikon question. Um, Andy, not to pick on you. Oh, but <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, pick on me. But, you know, Derek, apparently no one shoots Canon. I don't know. What's the deal here? Uh, <laughs> that's right. I got my feet up on the desk, sipping my coffee, and listening to Andy. I'm in Where, good shape. What, or is it that Nikon shooters just ask a lot of questions? I don't well, know. <laughs> maybe their cameras are just more funky. You know what I mean? Oh, oh man. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Derek, you're on Twitter, aren't you? For all the hate tweets. <laughs> yeah, Frederick Van. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. I appreciate that very much. 
<laughs> All right, Andy, I'm going to throw this one at you too. For some reason, there's a lot of Nikon in here. Yeah, so go for this it. Is, this is actually kind of a universal question, which is um, this person's looking or owns a 55 to 300 and is really not impressed by the focal length that he's getting on a D90. So that's essentially a 450 millimeter equivalent kind of lens. That's, that's an ample amount of um, reach. However, and reading through the forums and realizing what his real goal was, which was photographing eagles and trees, um, I have to say that the more lens you can own, the better in that regards. And not to sound overly simplistic, but your legs are kind of like your biggest asset. So the closer you can get to your subject, the better. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Um, now, in, in, the, in the wildlife kind of telephoto lens world – you know, every time you move up 100 millimeters, it hurts financially. <laughs> it hurts your it hurts your <laughs> yeah. shoulder, you know. Yeah. And um, but th- I think that kind of um, inflection point revolves around around the 400 millimeter range. So over 400 millimeters, it starts to really hurt financially. What are we, what are we talking about cost wise for folks who haven't, haven't considered that? Well, you can get a length. Nikon 80 to 400. It's not a great focusing uh, lens, but if your subject isn't moving around a lot, that's okay. Um, you can get that for about $1,400. Wow. Something like that. Okay. And the Nikon, I mean, in the Canon world, a 100 to 400 is uh, roughly a little, around the same, 1500 1600 bucks. Um, so I, I kind of think that, you know, for every 100 millimeters you get out there, you start adding as <laughs> another few thousand onto your number yeah it starts to hurt yep. yep yeah definitely derek what what about you are you do you care about long lenses or do are you more of a walk around 50 guy uh well i, I no i'm a 70 to 200 guy so you know gotcha. and i have my little 1.4 but the thing i want to add to i think andy's advice is is very good and the thing that i add is it's not just also reach, but then it's also how, how bright the lens is too. And, you know, so if, if you want to double the pain, then, you know, also go for, a, a, you know, an F4 versus an F5.6 lens and, and things like that. If you go for long zooms, just watch out for the, that, you know, what the maximum aperture is when, you, when it's racked all the way out. Because it's a lot different, you know, when, you, when the light starts getting low and, and you want to get that great bird shot and, you know, your maximum aperture is, you know, 6.3 or something that you see on some of the consumer lenses. That's, you know, that, that's, that's rough going. You really got to push your ISO up in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, when, when all is said and done, it's all about light, right? So get as much as you can. Get as much as you can. Yeah. And, and the, the pain doubles both at 100 millimeters and it also doubles again at f-stop. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. All right, guys. We're we're at that magical point on the show where um, you guys, the guests, can give their picks of the week, and the pick can be software, hardware, can be gear, workshop, whatever, as long as it's photography related. And Andy, you haven't been on in a while, so I'm going to give you first dibs. What's your pick of the week? We're going back to earlier in the program. The new Canon 200 to 400 f4 zoom lens. That is a killer. That's a killer lens design, and I think that's that's the big news for me. I I want one, and you will have one, I'm sure. By the time you come on again, you have, well, you know, I, you will have one and a backup. I still have some Canon stuff sitting around, so you know, it's not conceivable or inconceivable that I will probably adopt a dual system 
to just kind of stay in both worlds. Um, yeah, it'll financially hurt a little bit, but it's it's a pretty that's a pretty cool setup. Yeah, no, I totally agree. All right, uh, Derek Story, what's your pick of the week? Uh, mine's a little bit cheaper. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Does not require an arm or a leg. Okay, or spousal approval. <laughs> Um, the the two seventy EX flash though that little two cell flash that has uh, the remote trigger and the built in slave that you can carry around not much bigger than a pack of cards uh, I just think that's the coolest thing and I, I can't wait to get my hands on it Wow yeah I'm jealous see there's all this stuff that uh, that cannon shooters get and you know all us Nikon shooters we just have to rely on talent just wait I don't understand just wait just wait. <laughs> Just wait. I, th- I think Nikon will have some cool stuff this year. Yeah. Oh, I know. I mean, it's a it's a fun little argument, you know, this Canon Nikon thing. And in the end, it's just you know, it's all fun because there's all this cool stuff coming from both sides, and these giant mega corporations are fighting it out, and we can just sit there with our arms folded and and dole out cash and enjoy the fight. You I, know, I love it. I think the best way to think about all this gear is is that. Is that uh, two things? Number one, the best image making happens between your ears, and number two, is you don't want gear to hurt your ability to create an image, but when it helps you create an image, that's just an added benefit. Yes. Yep. Totally agree. Good. That's a good way to end it. Um, except I have a pick to give. Oh. My, 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 my nice pick. rap, Frederick. Yeah. <laughs> nice rap before the rap, right. professional host, right? <laughs> You got, you know, that was my little fake out <laughs> right. there. All right. Uh, my pick is On One um, Webinar. So On One Software at ononesoftware.com. They make all kinds of cool award-winning plugins like, um, well, they've got, um, what's the one, Derek? They have uh, ones that let you enhance and, and, and enlarge images. They have uh-huh. ones that let you adjust the focus and the focal point. I think it's called focal point. Um, and on and on, and background removal, removal, and all that good stuff. Uh, actually, I think they make uh, you know. There's some competition in the the plugin area, but uh, their whole suite of plugins, I think, is across the board pretty good stuff. On, yeah, on one. yeah, it is. Yeah, yep, yep. Onward soft, on one software dot com. Check them out. But my pick from them is if you don't know who they are, they've got a set of free webinars available that you can download through iTunes. And these are video presentations, like tutorials. And they're they're actually pretty long. They range from like, I'm looking at the list now, from like 39 minutes all the way up to an hour and a half wow. of free video training from folks like Seth Resnick and, and Join Brian and all kinds of folks in here that are doing these long video tutorials four on one on their software showing you how to use the different features and throwing them up on iTunes for free. You subscribe and pull them down and watch them on your iPod, your iPad, or on, on your computer or whatever. So, yeah, definitely check it out. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. Nice stuff. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Now we are really at the end of the show, I promise. <laughs> no more faking out. Andy, where are you at online? Well, you can find me in three places. I'm on Twitter, uh, and it's just Andy Biggs, all one word. And andybiggs.com is my website. And also, I have, my blog is theglobalphotographer.com. Awesome. And that's Andy Biggs with two Gs. That's it, yeah. All right. Derek Story, where are you at on the uh, Easiest place is The Digital Story, www.thedigitalstory.com. And Twitter and Facebook and everything else all just kind of 
meld in there. Awesome. Perfect. All right. And if you'd like to keep up with everything in the TWIP universe, you can head over to thisweekinphoto.com. There you'll find links to our Facebook fan page, our Twitter page, and a lot more. And if you're looking for me, Frederick Van Johnson, you can check out my blog at frederickvan.com or follow me on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash Frederick Van. And with that, it is time to take that lens cap off. This Week in Photo is a Pixelcore.tv production. Produced by Suzanne Llewellyn. With technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar. The show's content contributor is Eric Horton. <laughs>